This episode of the podcast is brought to you by my higher self-esteem. My higher self-esteem is responsible for some major uh, changes in the last year. And if you've been following or at one point followed this show, you'd know that uh, I've taken about a year off. And I won't go too deep into the story behind all of that. Um, I might in a later episode, but I basically spent the last year traveling the world, mostly living in Asia. I have a little place out in Chiang Mai now. Um, this has also been my most successful and prolific and life-changing year. Uh, again, this is not to brag. It's more to sh like bring up how um, I stopped doing the podcast last year because I kind of lost myself in the business of being a coach. Um, I kind of there's certain things about marketing, particularly marketing online, that I really didn't jive with, and I, it took me a while to really figure out um, how to navigate that. Uh, please excuse the alarm clock in the background. I am visiting my folks, and they have a bunch of old people things, like a clock that makes noise every hour. Um, but here I am, and um, I don't know how consistently I'm going to be doing the podcast. I'm kind of more focused on some other things, like video, and I'm, I might be doing some more major media stuff, also writing a couple books that should be out in January with some various awesome collaborators. But this is all to say that uh, I was inspired to make this podcast today, not even as a podcast, but because... One of my clients, who you'll hear in about a, uh, you know in about a minute, um, one of my coaching clients uh, reached out to me about um, wanting to have like a, a more, I guess, uh, intellectual conversation aside from just our coaching sessions. Like he just wanted to hear my thoughts on ideas because in coaching sessions I don't really teach anything. I kind of um, more asking questions, trying to get the client's genius out, but. This particular client, Tim, he's an awesome guy. You'll, you'll hear from him and his thoughts on things. Um, he wanted to just like kind of interview me basically. And I was like, oh, okay. I mean, that sounds like it might be fun. Let me, let me record it just in case. And towards the end, um, I realized like this is actually, uh, I think will be useful for people to hear. Um, so this episode <laughs> wasn't meant to be a podcast, but it's mainly focused around my business as a coach and my, um, not even the, the business side partially, but also my experience of what I think coaching is and um, how it works. Because a lot of people ask me, like, how do I do what you what you do? Like asking me, like, how do I become a coach? How do I become a person that talks to people about their lives? And and I'll I'll, I'll speak about um, exactly my recommendations for that in this episode, but also just my perspective because um, without trying to get all uh, gobbledygooky it is kind of a spiritual thing for me this this uh this work that i do it's obviously partly how i support myself as well i have some other businesses too just so i don't have to rely on this service that i give the world um for income but um that's the yeah it's kind of um it was actually an honor to to speak about it and really have my my thoughts known because a lot of people ask me how do i become a coach and that was something that i was curious about seven years ago and um, I, if there's anyone out there, if you're, if you're listening or have thought about working in personal development or being a coach or being a speaker or a writer in the personal development industry, if you've been into it but you, you're kind of turned off by the, the business side, like the dark side of self-help, um, we're actually going to touch on a bunch of those things. Um, Tim is one of my uh, awesome clients. Uh, he asked some very insightful questions, and I actually think he'll be a great coach if and when he decides to do that. Um, but without further ado, um, this is, I guess, episode 027, after uh, a year and a couple months off, um, back on the Rwanda podcast. Enjoy. Enjoy. 
You're listening to the Rwando Podcast, Perpetual Orgasm, Infinite Play. Please subscribe on iTunes and enjoy the show. Cool. So mainly what I wanted to, what I thought would be interesting to chat about was your experience as a coach so far. Okay. Pardon my gummy bear that I'm eating. Yeah, go for it. Um, I had an inspired moment of questions, so. Nice. Okay. First question. Um, so how long have you been a coach? Uh, I've actually been coach. I mean, doing coaching in any capacity, almost seven years. I think this December will be seven years, but doing it in a way that I consider professionally, uh, my first paid coaching session was like September 2013. So that's like five years ago. You remember the exact date, huh? Yeah. And I remember that because I don't know if you've seen me writing in my notebook. It's all probably off screen, but yeah, yeah, yeah. I've written in this notebook every day since 2012. So I oh, have like, yeah. I have like 400 or 500 of these notebooks, little notebooks. They used to be my wallet and I've, I've recorded everything. So I'm really good at remembering dates. Can I see one? Can you can you show the camera? Yeah, you know, if this was a professional coaching session, I would have it, but I actually showed up unprepared. Oh, okay. It's funny, I was thinking like this is we're doing the same thing I do in a coaching session, but like I would never have rescheduled this if this was a coaching session. For sure. Like, I don't know if this relates to the things you're about to ask, but like I consider coaching to be like this sacred thing. So I wouldn't have rescheduled for being sick last week. And I wouldn't have rescheduled. I wouldn't have pushed the back the time for convenience today. Uh, oh yeah, no. No, it was kind of, a, I, I figured that it was more of an informal thing that we were doing together. So, yeah, now I was just, I was noticing that I, I treat it differently, even though a conversation is a conversation like physically. Cool. Um, okay. So it's been seven years. Um, so, so think back to the first client that you had and mm-hmm. how you approached him or her and, yeah. um, and then talk a little bit about how it's changed over time. Um, I don't know if this is one of those things where it's like what I would have told my 20 year old self. Maybe. Well, I don't know. Well, I'll just tell you. And then maybe something like that will come out. Um, My first client, I met him at, uh, so I was working with this self development company uh, kind of as a contractor. um, And I was in this community more importantly. And at this, at one of their events, I saw this guy who was just like me when I was a little younger, he was a little older than me, but I saw him as like, he was in the same spot like with anxiety and his relationship with, with masculinity and dating. And I was like, I can help him. I, I need to help him. And I was already taking this coaching program. So I went up to him and was like, can I coach you for free? And he kind of said yes, but he didn't know what he was saying yes to. And the first time we met, um, he was like, what are we doing here? And I was like, uh, I, I'm going to give you this thing for free. And he's like, but like, well, I don't, I don't, what, I don't need coaching. Like, what is this? So it was like a very, very awkward conversation. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Uh, but I, I said, I told him like, just like, just like, let's do this for like four times, like four weeks. But by the end of the four weeks, he wanted to do work with me. And he asked me like how much I cost. And I was like, I don't, I don't know. I wasn't planning on getting this far with you. Um, so I charged him 20 bucks a session for a while. And I was like, and then he, he stayed with me for a few months. I think by the end of it, he was paying like 60 bucks a session or something like that. Um, did you always then, do it or, or what's that? did you always feel called to be a coach or no, I, I've always been into self-development. It's been my obsession since I was like a teenager. 
uh, like very hardcore obsession. And I wanted to write and teach, but the idea of like talking to someone one-on-one seemed kind of like weird to me. I didn't really get the point of it, but I was already taking this coaching program really just for myself, not to become a coach. I just wanted to like, I just thought I could learn a lot for myself. Um, yeah. But then over the time I was like, no, I actually, I think I'm good at this. I think I'm better than a lot of the people in this class at coaching. So I'm going to do it. Yeah, I can totally relate to that. Um, the first book that I ever read was by this psychologist named M. Scott Peck. Mm-hmm. And he wrote this book called The Road Less Traveled. So I was sitting like around like as an 11 year old, like everybody was reading Goosebumps and I was like, life is suffering and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> <laughs> Intense stuff. So mm-hmm. yeah, kindred spirit there. Um, cool, man. Um, so... Uh, See, we just we just did that. So so you said that initially it was kind of like, what am I doing? You know, I let's just let's just keep meeting up and see where this goes. So now seven years later, which is interesting because seven year mark is an interesting uh mark in terms of relationships too. Mm-hmm. When you think about like when relationships hit the mark of like, is it gonna work out or not? It's usually yeah. right seven years. And in seven years, all of the cells in your body have regenerated. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So, so seven years later, all new cells, mm-hmm. um, what, what have you learned and, and, uh, how, how is it different? How have you evolved? Oh, it's, it's very different. I mean, one, uh, I could support myself, uh, my financially stable. So business wise is doing well. Um, I don't have to convince people to coach them anymore. <laughs> That's a big thing. Um, uh, but then as far as like the actual thing, like I, I it kind of related to what I was saying, I, I view it as like a sacred thing. Cause like, yes, I'm just talking to people. Right but it's more than that. Like it's a lot more than that. And like, I realized that my ability to serve people, like I really need to take care of like my, for lack of a better word, energy beforehand. Like if my head's in the wrong place, I can't help people. If my body's in the wrong place, I can't help people. Like I need to like really be good. And then, and then cool things happen when we have conversations. Yeah. Yeah. I can totally relate to that. And it's, it's kind of like, you know, it's really comforting to hear you say that because I've always had a suspicion that my brain telling me like, Hey, don't eat those gummy bears before you talk to Juan. You know what I mean? Like that I, maybe, that I should maybe listen to that or, or, but, but it's cool to, to hear somebody that is clearly, you know, successful and, and deep into their craft saying that I still have to prepare almost like an athlete would I assume for like a track. Meet, yeah. You know, and especially for something like this where it's like, again, the physical act is just talking, but it's like something, there's something, it's kind of like the difference between making noise and playing music. Like there's gotta be something like the intangibles matter so much. Um, so I do treat it like this important thing. And it's actually a book that I think you might like. Um, it's called the general theory of love. I bought it yesterday and I'm 10 pages into it. That's get out of town. I swear to, let me, that's, that's crazy. Not a lot of people have heard of the book. It's not a very popular book. Crazy. Crazy. What Good. <laughs> well, I'm, glad, I'm glad you're ahead of that, ahead of me on that. Um, cool. That's, that's a cool synchronicity. Um, yeah, well, anyway, you'll get into a part of the book where it talks about what makes a therapist effective is not the ideas or the advice or anything. It's like they, they, they use a term that's kind of pseudoscience, limbic resonance. Like yeah, it's, yeah. The state, it's the state of the person and you're like letting them sink to you. And that's what allows them to have good ideas. Like I don't, I don't, in our coaching sessions, I don't give you ideas. Maybe I sometimes offer suggestions, but like, that's not where the magic happens. The magic happens is when I encourage you to come up with your own ideas. 
Um, yeah. So. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm excited to read about that. I, I think that you and I have spoken about that in passing in like our own session. So mm-hmm. I'm excited to get to that. Um, okay. So the questions are getting slightly more specific here. Um, yeah. So when you're giving somebody advice, um, there's, and I don't know if I worded this correctly, but there's a position of authority that you have to take, I would assume, to advise someone. Like you're, mm-hmm. you're, you're saying that wherever you're at in your life, I am able to potentially offer something that is superior to where you're at now, or at least superior in the way that you're approaching the problem. Is that fair? Um, I don't know. I think it's a little tricky to look at it that way because it puts a lot of pressure on me yeah, to know yeah. things. And I found when I've lost motivation to coach is because I was trying to take on like a superior attitude. Because a lot of my clients, especially when I started, I started when I was 24. A lot of my clients, almost all my clients were older than me. It's like, like, what do I have as a 24-year-old kid to teach them? Not a lot. Maybe yeah. some perspectives, but like, it's, it's, it's again, more encouraging their genius. So um, I will say you have to be secure. I mean, just like parenting or relationships, like, if I'm insecure, the other person can't possibly find their genius moment because that comes from security. So I don't know if this answers your question or not, but... Um, no, it kind of does. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, where I was trying to get to with it is basically, do you ever question if what you're saying is actually helpful to someone? Do you ever kind of question, like, after you get off of a session with a client, you think, well, shit, mm, I don't know if I should have said that. And I don't- uh, Not anymore. Not because anymore. I don't, I don't really give advice. Like I'll, I'll share my experiences. I'll give suggestions. And most of the time I'm just asking questions, not just, but I'm asking interested questions to get them to think about, cause like I have, I have different moral morality than all my, many of my clients. Like I have a different political viewpoint. I have a different spiritual viewpoint. Like it's not my business to tell them what's right, but it's my business to help them figure out what's right for them, which might even be something that I wouldn't ever do. Um, the closest I'll get to that is saying what I did in such a situation, um, which really applies most really only to business and dating with some other things. Like I've, I have a client who um, asked me, uh, we talk about her parenting her child and I'm not a parent. So what the hell do I know? But I asked yeah. her questions to get her to, you know, figure things out for herself. Hmm. That's cool. Yeah. So just kind of, uh, it, when when you get trained for suicide prevention, a lot of what they train you to do is just, um, it's really just like four fundamental things. I'm sure you already know this, but it's like validate, identify, or reflect their feelings. So it sounds like you're feeling really upset that your mom won't let you go to the prom with the person you want or whatever, whoever you're talking mm-hmm. to. And, or, and then paraphrase, which is kind of reflecting back to them what they've said th- so they can hear it, you mm-hmm. know, coming from you and, and kind of, and then the other thing is just, um, uh, gosh, it's not validation. It's open-ended questions. So letting people just explore, like if you're feeling really upset right now, like let's explore why that might be. And just kind of asking probing questions to get them to talk about, you know, explore a space or whatever. So, Mm -hmm. so, so that's, yeah, that sounds like a really good therapeutic approach. Um, I want to say something about the probing because I I think about this a lot. Like I've gone through phases where I've become very cynical about self-help um, especially being in an industry and seeing how people make money. And like, sometimes I'm like, eh, I don't know if that's really with a lot of my value. I, I've gone through different phases with that. Yeah, um, sure. but I've come down to like my final conclusion is that self-help is a genre of entertainment. Um, in that 
we all spend our time and money and energy doing things that are interesting to us. When you're spending that attention on personal development, the thing that's most interesting to you is your own life story. And in a way, I'm helping people just be entertained with their, not just, but be entertained with their own lives. So they become really interesting because a marker for success for me in a coaching session is when I ask a question and they say, huh, that's a good question. Because I know that they are now thinking about something that's way more interesting than their normal thought stream. And it's usually something creative. Wow. That's fucking cool. Yeah. And then as a coach, I love it because I love watching people's life stories. Like I can only live my own life, but I can like vicariously watch you become a musician. I don't know if that's what you're going to do, but like do things like, or like watch a, a woman parent her child or watch a person get a book deal. I get to, I get to see these heroes journeys that I can't experience myself, but I get to watch the movie in real time and kind of like help them edit the story. Dude, that's so cool. That's, yeah, it's great. I love it. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, okay, so um, so everyone is subject to ups and downs, creatives even more so. Do you identify as a creative? Yeah. You're writing and stuff like that? Mm-hmm. Okay. So how do you deal with your low points? What insights do you have to maybe get out? Like as yeah, a coach, so one... Kind of like how do coaches coach themselves type of thing? Yeah, um, a couple things. Uh, the first thing that comes to mind is so I was a, I've gone through cyclical depression since I became interested in self help, which is when I was a teenager. Um, and last like last year, I went through kind of a down. I was in a bad relationship. I I made I made a bad business. I was in a bad business partnership. So I had two toxic relationships in my life, and I was kind of depressed. And I was talking to a coach. I, I got a coach for some time. Actually, really only one session. And he was pointing out to me how he also gets depressed. And basically what he told me was like, um, if you know you're going to get depressed eventually because you're human and maybe that's what your your tendency is and you plan for it, it wouldn't be a big deal. Like if you know it's going to be cold in the winter, you just get a jacket. Like, Like, so I think a lot of creatives go nuts because every time they get feel down they're like oh my god i'm down again i thought i was never going to be down again but like maybe that's just what happens every year and um and if you just know that you don't even consider it depression it's just like okay i'm I'm in my my chill out phase of the year um but then we if we we resist it so we add on all these stories it's like oh no i'm depressed and then and then you really spin into real depression from there you start thinking negative thoughts you start treating yourself like you're eating more gummy bears or whatever it is like something that's not good for you and then you dig a hole I lost you on sound. Um, I, you there? Yeah, yeah, I hear you now. Yeah, um, I, I wrote something similar about this recently because I, I, I can totally relate to the cycles. And it's almost to the point where it's like, ah, fuck, like it's going to be like foggy weather for like, like, <laughs> yeah. like God damn it. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, I feel like at least for me initially, it was like, well, let me try and will my way out of this. Let me see what I can do. Like, is it my diet? Is it my food? Is it, do I need to read this author? Do I need to write, write this song? Or like, how can I get out? And then it was almost like resisting the grayness or resisting the weather was like keeping it there. Mm-hmm. And and it's a lot like what you said. It's kind of like, yeah, there's there's things that I can put in place, but there's also an element of like, you know, this is the biorhythms of me. And yeah. you know what I mean? So, yeah. yeah. But, but I stuff on top of that. that. That was my realization last year, but I've learned yeah. a lot more on this topic since for myself. Like I think stuckness and writer's block and depression are all the same thing for a creative. 
Really? Uh, they're all the same root. Um, and for me, like, there's like a couple of keys, like self-love, even in the foggiest day, if you can love and approve of yourself, including your, um, your shortcomings and your failures, if you could still love yourself through that, then you really can handle anything. And that's been like a theme for my year. And I th- this has been the most successful year of my life. And I think it's because I've spent a lot of time by myself, really, really getting in touch with myself. Like this is to me what spirituality is. Like you could call it God or you can just call it yourself, like talking to yourself and like having a really positive, like, I feel like I'm indifferent to relationship failures right now. I've taken a lot of media criticism this year and like, I'm like completely fearless when it comes to that stuff now. That's so cool, man. Yeah. Um, oh, that was just one key, though. I, I just want to list it out because I've written a lot about this recently. That Self-love. The dark What's that? Coming, man. I'm just kidding. I didn't <laughs> hear that. I said the dark pit is coming, Ruan. What was I saying? Oh, self-love. Um, uh, focusing on one thing at a time. I think overwhelm comes, like, creatives have a lot of ideas usually. And, like, that's the number one thing that, that messes your brain up, trying to do more than one thing. And, um framing it as service. Like when you make it not about you, it becomes a lot harder to self-sabotage. And those are kind of like my go-tos. Yeah, I can, I can really resonate with the last one. Like when things start to go wrong, it becomes the me show too much. Mm-hmm. And, gosh, that's so weird. I think I was watching a video by uh, that guy that you spoke with, Brian, Brian Began. Yeah. And he was talking about this thing. It was like law of relativity or something. I'm still like kind of, have a, uh, an adverse reaction to a lot of like law of attraction stuff, mm-hmm. but it was interesting. And he was basically talking about how like there's a dot. And when you focus on that dot too much, it like all, all like your reality is that dot of suffering, but there's all this white space around it. And remembering like, like being of services, acknowledging the white space around that little dot. And now there's a bigger perspective perspective, which is yeah. not just like my suffering. It's like, you know, I can get out of my temporary dot for a second, acknowledge this bigger. Yeah. Cause it's not about you. And, and that, that really hit home for me, like being in third world countries and seeing like how much spending on other people can really make a difference. Like what I spent on a smoothie in New York could feed a family of five in Bali. Right. Like, it's like, like, why, like, why was I like, just my, my perception of abundance and scarcity has changed a lot. And I think that's unblocked a lot of my past resistances because it's not about me. Like I don't even want money for myself as much anymore. It's more like I can do a lot of good stuff with money and time and energy. And, um, and like, I don't write for myself so much anymore. And it, it feels like, yeah, all the limiting beliefs only matter if, you, if it's the me show, like you said. Yeah. Do you think that the me show is a part of the process though for people? It seems like all creatives are a little narcissistic. Like you kind of want to, <laughs> you want to be seen, right? I think that's yeah, fine. But I mean, I mean, like in when, like, say, I don't know, just a hypothetical situation where somebody is working on something. A lot of people say, "Well, focus on yourself." Like that's mm-hmm. that's that's kind of a, I guess, a trope, a self-help trope. Yeah. Like focus on yourself, you know. Like it's, and do you think that that's an important part of a healing process for someone, or do you think that? It's the focus on the self that is making it difficult for you. um, It's a good question. I think when people, you can't help people until you are genuine about your own desire. Otherwise it comes out as codependence or nice guy syndrome or whatever you call it. Like you'll always have an ulterior motive until you feed yourself. And creativity has to come from this internal impulse. 
and you can't be to impress people or get people to like you or do it for other people's benefit. So it does have to start with like a self-centered root, but then you don't keep it for yourself. It's like, it comes through you. And we're talking like kind of poetically now, but like, no, it's, it's really, yeah. it's, it's hard to pin, pin this down, isn't it? Yeah. Like, because it's, it's almost like, like, I, I, I know exactly what you're saying. And it's, I think we talked about it briefly, but it was like the backwards law. It's like, whenever you like the wanting of something reinforces the lack of having that thing. So it's mm-hmm. like, it's like, uh, so if you really want to, I don't know, man, it's, it puts my fucking brain in a pretzel, but it's, it's really cool. That's, <laughs> that's, a, that's, that's a different conversation though. Um, cool. Um, all right. Actually, I do want to say something I think is like a, a creative thing that a process thing that I've, uh, I think has made me be better at publishing. Like there are stages of creativity and the beginning has to be selfish interest, like interest in the sense of like, Oh, I think that's just an interesting thing. This is an interesting sound or an interesting set of a concept and you make something, but in order for you to put it into, to materialize it, you need to find out where it fits in the market, like how it's relatable to people. And then like, there's like, there's different stages. You can't do them both at once. Otherwise the product is going to suck. So you have to start with this internal, like ethereal side, and then you do need to put it into matter. Um, and I think a lot of, a lot of creators only do half of that one or the other. Yeah, that's, that's, I, I struggle with the latter half. I think Mm -hmm. like I'm, I'm, if I, it's, it's almost like I'll think about how people should be perceiving it before I let it germinate in the first stage or I let it germinate in the first stage and then I have no fucking idea how to reframe it for people. So it's, it's, it's hard yeah. to get that marriage of the two where it's like, I've authentically birthed this creative baby. Yeah. And now I'm going to, now I know where to put it to and I know how to yeah. get it. You got to put clothes on it because no yeah, one's going to want to talk to your naked baby. Yeah, that's right. Um, okay, cool. Is there anything else you wanted to add to that? That no. train of thought? Okay. Um, you said that you have a coach. Do you have a coach now or? You no, just- I had a coaching session. I misspoke. I had a coaching session with a person. A lot of my friends are coaches. So I think I get a fair amount of casual coaching, but really I do coach myself mostly. And that like, that comes down to what I guess you could call my spirituality. Like every morning I'm writing morning pages and I'm addressing it to quality. Like that's my word for like God, if you will. Have you read Zen of the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance? Is that on your shelf too? On my shelf. That's crazy, man. <laughs> so did you read it? No, I've, I've gotten through like 40 pages. I it's a it hard book to get into. It was, it was fucking boring, man. It was super The beginning boring. is very dense, but it gets good. And um, okay. anyway, I mean, I'll spoil alert a little bit. And I'm sure you don't mind. Like he's trying to define what quality is throughout the book. And he doesn't say it directly, but quality is like that intangible thing that people call God for lack of a better word, or every religion, like everything is like trying to move towards quality. It's a totally subjective thing, but it's real. And like, so that, that's my God. I, I, I pray to quality, you know, I write a letter to quality every morning. And like, that's how I organize my thoughts. How can I move things towards quality? And, um, that's with everything. And I, I don't remember what your question was, but that that's an answer to something. <laughs> no, no, that's cool. And I can see there's something kind of like, there's something deeper in that philosophy that, that is like, 
quality is something that you're never going to, it's, it's going to be something that you can work on forever, Mm -hmm. right? Like you'll always be able to make it slightly better. And and this is kind of, now we're just going on different trains of thoughts here, but I, I think that that's like such an important thing. Like the, the breakthroughs that I've had in my life, it's all, it's all come from like getting myself or how can I describe it, man? It's like, finding something, finding a problem that not, I guess a problem or something that is worth dedicating, like that you'll never be finished on, but that is how, oh, gosh, I'm, I'm all over the place now, man. I understand. Yeah. It's a continuous improvement. Yeah. Yeah. But I think the fact that it's subjective matters too. like everyone has a different sense for it, but it's something you don't need to learn about. You need to learn what makes something quality. Like, it's you feel it. Like, that's what, when people talk about spirituality, that's usually what they're experiencing. Like, they have a sense for quality, and then maybe they add on a, de- a deity's name to it. But, like, that's what they're talking about. Well, that, that was a famous quote, wasn't it? Something, if you're a creative and your art isn't where you want it, like, your sense is right. But I forgot who said it. There's some famous quote with that exact thing, though. I don't know. That's another thing. Oh, go ahead. Something about taste. Like, he's like, Oh, I don't know, but I may have said this to you. I said this to someone this morning, actually, like it really sucks for someone who has a sophisticated taste and not much talent because then they'll never get started. Whereas a lot of people start with like poor taste and poor talent, and that gives them permission to put out crap and in in putting out crap, eventually they refine their talent. And then ideally the taste and talent rise together. Um, But I have some friends who would be brilliant writers but their standard is so high and they haven't done enough writing to be good. So they don't write and it sucks for them. I was fortunate to have terrible taste when I started writing. (laughs) So I, you know, I had time to grow. Yeah. I guess if you have a more sophisticated ideal, then that ideal is judging you more harshly. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's interesting. Um, Okay. So this is kind of getting a little bit into the difference between a coach and a therapist, but my question would be, do you feel that you're less qualified than those who have formal clinical training to be a therapist or a coach or, or, or um, why another way of saying it is why not go the clinical route for you? Uh, so the practical reason is a few years ago when I was considering getting an LCSW, which would allow me to be a therapist. Um, one of my friend's moms, who's been a therapist for like 30 years, uh, basically laid out the pros and cons and she basically kind of convinced me not to do it because she's limited with how much she can make. She has all these standards. The only benefit business-wise is that she can take insurance, but people who want to pay with insurance are usually trying to diagnose a problem rather than create a life. So what I think is the difference though, is therapy tends to be about problem fixing or even problem airing out. It's not even about fixing. Um, whereas a coach, my, my take on it after all these years is like, I get to help people write their life story, which is very different to me. Like, instead of like, um, so yours pathologizing is everything. Yeah. Yours is proactive and in, in therapy, at least the way that you just define it is more reactive. Yeah. I will say though, that based on like general theory of love, I do think it comes down to the person. It's just like, there's no martial art that's better. Like it comes down to the fighter, right? I think it does come down to the person. I bet there's therapists who are amazing and they do create lives. And I think there are coaches who probably just try to diagnose problems or they, they uh, pathologize every person's creative dilemma or something. Like I think it comes down to the person. But what I like about coaching is that since the barrier to entry is nothing, 
you just put up a website, call yourself a coach. It forces you. The only people who are successful are the ones with quality service, right? Like no amount of marketing is going to make up for you irritate people when you talk to them or something like that. Right, right, right. Yeah. Cool. Um, what advice would you give someone who is looking to get into your line of work? Um, coach as many people as possible for free. <laughs> right. Cause like there is, I mean, that's, if you're interested, I assume you're already interested in personal development. Like anyone who's interested in coaching, I would hope is really into that subject. So they're already doing their own work. They're already reading. I mean, that's the number one prereq. Then as far as like actually getting your education, there's nothing that's going to be actually doing it when it comes to anything, but like coaching, especially like I didn't feel competent as a coach until I hit a couple hundred hours. And then I felt like, Oh, I'm never going to be nervous. But when a coaching session starts, but my first 200 hours might've been, I mean, I definitely got nervous a lot in the beginning, especially with a new client, but now I don't. I, now I just, I trust that things are going to move or maybe I'm not the right coach for them, but I'm not going to take it personally because I know what I can do. Hmm. So the, the experience gave you the comfort. Yeah. And it gave me the confidence too. It gave me the actual, like, I have a track record. Like I know what to do. I know certain exercises. So like, what yeah. were you do? I mean, did you just kind of make it up from your head? Like, okay, well I have this person and we're on zoom or whatever you've used in the past. And, uh, I'm just going to wing it and see what happens. Or did you have, like, um, I've, I've had more structure in the past, but, uh, now I kind of, I, I just, I try to follow the interest and I trust that we'll find the right thing. And I trust that my curiosity will steer us in a good place. Um, and then all the things that are internal we talked about have to be there. I, also, I mean, seeing your client as a, as already that hero at the end of their journey, like is important, like seeing for lack of a better word, their potential, like seeing that they're not broken, seeing them as whole. Like I don't let people hang on to, to like, Oh, I have this, I can't do this cause I have ADD. Like, no, it's bullshit. <laughs> I don't even believe in ADD. I mean, it's, I, I, don't, I don't know if that's controversial to say, but like I, I, I can see someone's genius if only maybe I'm projecting, but I see it and I just find, I'm just as curious as possible to bring us in that direction. And I trust that it's there somewhere. So what about if you ever work with a client and something happened and you realize that you wouldn't be a good fit for this client? Um, it hasn't happened in a while. Uh, and I don't know why that is. I don't know why I've had like particularly awesome people this year. Um, but in the past I've had like, men who would kind of challenge me intellectually. Um, and it might've been because I was a lot younger and like some, some guy who's like 35, who's asking me for dating advice, like is trying to challenge me and or like, I'd be judged as being too feminist or something. And like some, some dudes, I, I, that's happened a bunch, but not a ton. Um, not really. If someone's immature, I'll probably tell them like, you know, it's usually younger people. I'm like, you know, Maybe you don't need a coach. Maybe you should read more books, <laughs> go on a trip, you know, get an internship. You'll probably learn a lot. Um, yeah. Okay. Um, what is your most interesting coaching story so far? Hmm. Uh, interesting. Um, I coached someone who I was pre I'm pretty sure was in the mob um, because I, I think, I mean, I don't even know if his name that he told me was his real name. I think it might've been a fake name. 
but um, he told me he owned, or he was a manager at a, at a, a printing uh, shop, like a copy shop. But he always had a three-piece suit on and like a really nice overcoat. He paid me in $100 bills from a wad of $100 bills. Like there was something, and, like, and we would meet uh, in like this shady bar and do our coaching sessions there. And I wouldn't do this anymore now. I mean, this was, I, I didn't really know what my container was yet. But I would coach him through relationships and opening up emotions, all the stuff that I, he really needed. Like he was a, he was a hard man. Um, he just seemed like a mobster. And one time I was coaching him through like a, uh, a work dispute. And he called me like frantically saying that he thought that um, someone was going to kill him. And I was like, come on. I mean, just because you told the truth, it's like a little office squabble. Well, like, you know, no one's going to kill you. But like, it's like, no, no, someone's going to kill. Like, and he wasn't really being straight with me. Something with the cops and like, I don't even know. He was like, he, he also he had a thick accent. Um, and I actually don't know what happened to him. <laughs> we, we finished, wow. like, we had an eight session package. We finished. I texted him a few times later and he responded. And then I texted him again, maybe a month later, he didn't respond. And he might just have ignored me. Maybe he didn't want any more coaching. I was asking him if he wanted to coach anymore. I never heard from him again. <laughs> so I have no idea. But wow. he did start um, after three years of sexless marriage. He did make love to his wife in those eight weeks for the first time in three years. So I feel successful that in that end. I hope he didn't die. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, you can only do so much. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's crazy, man. Yeah. Wow. Um, and uh, how do you see your coaching evolving moving forward? Um, Seven years. I mean, in. it's more on a business end. I think I'm, I feel like I'm on the edge of a, a jump in my career in general. Like I'm going to be doing a lot more media. I might have a TV show next year. Um, so if that's the case, I might actually not be taking on new clients uh, soon, maybe in a few months. In that case, I'd wow. be more working on media. And I was thinking, I do want to still coach. I still might coach one day a week, but, um, or in spurts or something, but I kind of think I want to train coaches to handle the leads I'm getting and like find a couple of people I really trust who I know can help people and mm -hmm. give them like maybe like an apprenticeship or internship and like have like, this is a, someone that gets my stamp of approval. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, that's my hope. Can I, can I ask about the TV show? Yeah. Um, so this is a big tangent. I don't know how much you know about my past, how much you've read about me, but I was in a cult for a couple of years. And I've, I've, I've heard whispers. Okay. From you. Okay, so online, from videos. But yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, I'm, I'm very open about it. I had a pretty positive experience, actually. I, um, this, I heard. And this organization is kind of going under right now. Actually, funny story. They had their closing party last night. And most people would say that I'm part of the reason why they're closing doors. Um, and I went to their closing party um, because I kind of just wanted to what was make it? an appearance. What, was it? what kind of cult was it? Um, it's called One Taste. It's uh, it's an Inc. 5000 company that teaches about sexuality. Wait, One Taste is a cult? Oh, yeah. Dude, I was going to go to One Taste sessions. Yeah, I, I mean, their intro class is great. I still was, I was recommending it up until they closed doors a few. I mean, it's a good class. They teach quality stuff. In fact, I did my coaching program with them. They got, they launched my career in many ways. They also wow. did a lot of dark stuff on top of that. Wow. Um, but anyway, uh, to answer your question, after that, I got a bunch of exposure because I'm one of the few people with the balls to actually have stated my 
experience, not anonymously. And a couple of production companies reached out to me about hosting a television show about cults. And um, wow, I'm one of the few people I think in the world who can speak positively about his experience. Um, so, you know, and, I, and I'm very lucid. Like I, yeah, I mean, I can explain everything that happened and how brainwashing works uh, pretty clearly and I'm not damaged from it or anything. So, wow. Wow, yeah. man. This, this was, this is like, a. I am fascinated by this experience. I want to ask more questions about it, but maybe another time we can dig into that more. Yeah. Episode two. It's kind of like we're doing a podcast. This might actually be fun wow. as a show. <laughs> and um, one of my favorite articles that you've written was, um, it, it was, I can't remember the exact title, but it was about a cult and um, I've read it a few times. How to brainwash people or how to get people to join your cult. How to get people to join your cult. Uh-huh. Yeah. And you, and you had, I think it was four main points to it. Uh-huh. And what did you say? It was like, meet them on their terms. It was, uh, identify, was it like identify a pain point and then. Uh, yeah. Expose a pain point, um, validate their reality. Validate their reality. Um, that was yeah. the first point. The last point was really care about them. Yeah. Um, and I forget. Oh, I'd be willing to walk away. I think was one of them. Be willing to walk away. Yeah. I thought that that was a really interesting yeah. point to put in. Because per our attachment theory discussions, that triggers anxiety in people. It's like, I don't need, like when you don't need them, they're willing to step forward. Yeah. That's such yeah. a trip. That is such yeah. a trip. I mean, it's true yeah. in dating. It's true in parenting. It's true in leadership. What's up with that, man? Why that that pisses me off that that's how it's like you. It's like, <laughs> it's like you're not allowed to. Well, I shouldn't even say this. It feels like that. It's like you find something you really want to invest in, but then there's a part of your brain that's like, I'm not I shouldn't invest in it too much because I have to like maintain power or maintain like allegiance. Like, is that? Um, well, I think that's the um, that's like the correction period. Like I'm reading, I'm reading like a pickup book right now out of curiosity and, um, the rational male. Oh, I've heard Tomasi. Yeah. Yeah. It's actually pretty good. There's a lot of stuff that I would, even I would call it misogyny, but, um, I think there's a lot of good stuff. It's very rational, but why did I bring this up? Oh, cause like he, he teaches people to like, I guess to be a player, right. Which I'm not into. However, all those traits are things that actual confident people do. It's like if a leader is begging you to join them or he's giving you extra special attention, it probably means he doesn't have a lot of good shit going on. It probably is not, he's not focused on his mission. He's not focused on actually taking care of the group, which is why we're drawn to the people that don't give us the time of day because they must be up to something good. (laughs) So it's not always true. And it's kind of like it may be a primitive thing, but it's, there's a reason why. Same thing with attraction. Like anyone who doesn't need us and has options is probably attractive. Probably has some good stuff going on. Um, yeah, and you know what's what's interesting about that too is that it's not really necessarily about the words that you say though, because you can because this is kind of tying into needy, neediness, right? It's like yeah. like if you invest in someone's perception of you more than your perception of yourself, you are needy and therefore unattractive. But like you can go up to someone and, and tell them. I mean, as we've already, as we've already talked about, mm-hmm. but it would be like, you know, like, I, uh, I think that you're beautiful or whatever it is. And if you're saying it from a place of just like, like, that's a, that is investing in them in a big way more than they've invested in you, but you're doing it from a place that isn't looking 
for their approval or for yeah. like not saying it out of hopes that they'll does that you know what i'm saying yeah, yeah so i would actually i would actually reword that i'd say the the most secure way to do it is you're not investing in them at all you're saying hey you're beautiful because it's fun to say hey you're beautiful yeah and like i just have this abundance of appreciation to give to a beautiful for human beauty, being for, 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 for beauty for booty <laughs> yeah yeah like uh yeah, that, that's it. <laughs> you get this abundance to give. It just feels good to give it. Hey, man, you, you were on a date last week, right? Uh, I've been on like a few. I don't know. Oh, okay. Well, my bad. How, how's, how's, I'm just curious. How's, how's the dating life going? Um, I was just telling someone this recent, like today, a few hours ago. Um, I have a bunch of like low impact relationships that I feel like are kind of at my fingertips for a lack of, I mean, I, I know I sound probably really arrogant when I say that, but what do you mean by um, low impact? Like they're not super meaningful. Mm -hmm. um, they're not moving me. I'm kind of almost indifferent. They kind of seem inter interchangeable in a way. I don't mean to be that it's not like I don't appreciate them, but like, it's not like, a, it's, I don't feel invested and it's just fun. And this is kind of what I wanted for myself when I was younger. And I'm already feeling like, eh, this is cool. It's better than nothing. It's certainly better than not having dates. Right. But I, I almost like don't care. Um, and I do want something deeper, but I want a very specific something and I'm willing to play around until then, until I, until that crosses my radar. Yeah. I feel like yeah. that's exactly like, like verbatim what I'm going through right now. We haven't mm -hmm. had like another session since our last session. Right. But like, but like, um, Gosh, like, yeah, I've got like two girls that I'm seeing right now and they're, and they're not like, they don't like wow me. And and there's a part of me that's kind of like, well, shit, like this is better than nothing, but is it, if, if, if I'm settling for this or if I'm not really engaging in something that I really like, then am I creating a habit within myself of, of not going for what I actually want? You know, like, is this somehow, well, are, are you not going for something or are you just having fun? Well, I don't, maybe, maybe that's it. Maybe, I don't know if this is just me or if this is like a, 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 t a temperamental thing with people, yeah. but maybe fun, especially to creatives, I would assume involves depth. I think that creative people tend to respond to depth. And at least for me in relationships, like if I don't have depth with a woman, emotional depth, it, it starts to feel like anemic, if that makes sense. Yeah, I would say something that might even counter what I just said about myself. So it might be a big oxymoron contradicting myself or something, but um, something I do love from the Tantra world, one perspective I love is that is the idea of you, you practice the verb of loving. Like you learn, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. It's not about the relationship. It's that you are practicing having an abundance of love to love someone with or love people with. And a lot of those people tend to be like poly and like very out there and stuff. And that, that's different. But like, um, I do, I do kind of cherish that even in a low impact relationship, I think there's something very, that could be very nourishing as opposed to like uh, compulsion, but it, it kind of depends on how you're going about it. Yeah. I, I hear what you're saying. That can be, it, I guess it depends on the, the intention that you have and, and kind yeah. of, because yeah. you were talking about like falling in love uh, during like a one night stand. I think that's beautiful. And it's a beautiful, like, like it's a beautiful thing. Like so you, to, to have opened yourself so deeply that you can just pour love on this person that you don't even know. 
<laughs> that might even be a terrible person, but like just the fact that you can do that is awesome. And the only thing is making sure you do it in a way that you remain secure and you don't uh, do something bad for yourself. Yeah. It's interesting. We we talked about this a little bit too, like the, when, when you are able to like bring all of yourself to somebody and they're sitting there responding to it and you can tell that you're really affecting them. What, what trips me up is that, you know, the sun rises again and it's a new day. Mm-hmm. And like you kind of just made some promises the night before with how awesome <laughs> you guys were together. Uh-huh. You know what I'm saying? And it's like, uh, that's, a, that's what I've noticed with this other one. Like we've been continuing to stay together, but it's kind of like, Hey, you know, I'm, I'm not, I don't think I'm falling in love with you anymore. It's like, it's like date number three. And it's like, you know, and, th- and then I feel a little bit of guilt of, of how, but I realized it was really just my projections. Like I was in love with the projections of who the mm-hmm. person could have been in that moment, but not who the person is actually materializing um, or showing themselves to be, which isn't yeah. bad, but it's just kind of like, you know, it's easy. Yes. Yeah, so you can learn to, to pour love on the person she actually is. And even if it doesn't go anywhere that deep, that's cool. I mean, it's fine. Yeah, right. totally. Everyone's benefiting, so what's the problem? There isn't a problem, I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, um, so we got a little bit of time. I think we're only supposed to go in a half an hour, but this has been fun. I mean, I'm enjoying it, so, I mean, we can go until I get bored, <laughs> or you get bored, okay. or something. Yeah, well, let's. I want to wrap it up with this. Um, uh, um, do I want to wrap it up with this? Did I already ask this question? I think I already accidentally wrapped it up. Um, let's see here. Uh, this is just a question that I have, but we, you obviously read a lot and you're obviously a good writer. So is there any specific books that you would, I don't know, is, is there any books that you read specifically about coaching? And is there any books that you would advise that everybody read just to fundamentally understand relationships or their life? Hmm. Like, like your total five i don't read a ton of self-help anymore but i've read a ton in that genre i think i, I gain the most from reading fiction now honestly but um hmm. let me think general theory of love was very big from my perspective hmm. um i don't know i i I'd have to think about that uh, Zen and the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance affected me a lot, but I don't recommend it to most people. The first 100 pages are kind of rough. Um, yeah. I think I just have to get through the threshold on that book, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I read a lot of fiction now, and I, and I find... Um, well, what's a good that's actually, uh, I just read a, a book by W. Somerset Mom of Human Bondage. It's a very long novel. It's kind of like Great Expectations, but he hits on, I think... Again, like to the entertainment thing, like self-help is a genre of entertainment. Uh, entertainment is a genre of self-help, I think, too. Like every movie structure that a screenwriter learns is basically teaching a journey of improvement. And um, I think there's a lot of lessons wrapped up in fiction. And I, and I actually think in the future, that's how I want to help people more. Like I'm writing a book about my cult era, and I think there'll be a lot of self-help themes that I'll kind of hide in the narrative. And I think that'll reach more people who wouldn't read a self-help book. Hmm. That's interesting. How far are you into the book? I mean, I've been writing it for seven years, um, but I mean, part of the time I was in it and taking notes, part of the time I was recovering and only really recently I've been writing, writing, but um, 
uh, I have about 10% that I've of the book that I feel very good about. So I think, yeah, I think if, uh, if TV goes well, I'll get a book deal and I can finish the book and then, uh, <laughs> then that'll be it. Yeah. it. Did they get that other 90% down as soon as possible? Yeah. Well, the 10% that I really like, I wrote in about a month of like very focused, like I gave myself a month to do nothing but write the book. And I, I wrote this 10% I feel proud of. Before yeah. that, I, I had I had, I had like four hundred pages of content that is just disorganized and not very polished and stuff. Yeah, and you probably did in spurts, right? Mm-hmm. Like right here and there, and yeah, yeah. yeah. You, you were talking about that earlier, like focusing on one thing. And yeah, I I I told you that I, my contract's ending, but I was thinking about taking a month of just writing, of just trying to finish out this. We talked about the ebook thing, so yeah. Cool, man. Well. Hey, thank you so much for your time. This was super fun to, to yeah, learn more about your, your, uh, your coaching uh, details here. So um, awesome, man. Yeah, we'll, we'll do episode two. Um, yeah, um, I, just, I was thinking about this. this is, I don't know if uh, I actually think this would be really fun as a podcast, um, maybe with guests or maybe not, or maybe just us having conversations. Like, I think there's a lot of value in this. And I know you're not sure about, um, your finances next month. So I don't know what it would look like, but I'd be open to something, some sort of trade of time or something that if it could benefit me, I'd, I'd, I'd be happy to worry, work something out. Yeah. Um, let's talk about that offline. Um, totally. but, um, but I, I love the idea of turning. I, I think, Oh, I'm about to say something honest. So this is going to be really easy to say. I think that, um, (laughs) I think that you're a really good coach. And I think that, um, people that watch how you speak and how you think are going to benefit from it because of a, because you've been doing it for seven years, but B just because I think you just have a natural aptitude for it. So anytime you want to do a podcast or whether it's with me or with a group of people, I think that if you post it, people are going to get a lot of benefit out of it. And if you wanted to make that like a consistent monthly thing, I'd be, I'd be happy to participate. Cool. Awesome, man. We'll, we'll, we'll be in touch about it. Okay. All right, Ruan. Talk to you later, brother. All right. Later. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes or Stitcher. And if you want to be a part of the virtual audience for future episodes, make sure to follow me at crowdcast.io slash Ruando. See you next time.